Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing The Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg, The Host, directed by Bong Joon-ho, Patterson by Jim Jarmusch, The Empty Man by David Pryor, and newly released The Night House, directed by David Bruckner. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how we doing? Tommy Boy, how's it going? Ah, it's going okay, it's going okay. Um, we're in October here. How was your spooky week of movies? Spooky week of movies was great. Uh, got some more love with David Cronenberg. Uh, got a great movie that I don't want to give a give a hint to which one is the heavy hitter here, <laughs> okay. but definitely didn't get a, get a heavy hitter in there. And I was happy to do so, or happy to see that it was the case, because, boy, do we have uh, a lot of horror movies that are either subpar or, you know, not not yeah. not really the best. But you know, <laughs> that's the nature of the beast. Uh, I'm here to review it all. Basically, it is part. It is part of the. Um, you got got to take the good ones with the bad ones, right? And if anything, that that is really true to what we want to do here to make sure that you're not wasting your time, uh, folks at home, with. Maybe a horror movie that you think might be good, especially a cult classic or something like that, and you know it being a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I know personally, I think that's most of them. <laughs> Just saying, right, right. But we'll find out. Right, you as not a horror fan, not the biggest horror guy. Yeah, and I think that's that's quite a lot of people actually, because uh, it's either the scare factor or they recognize a lot of the movies to be kind of shit, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, or schlocky, uh, you know. Ooh, schlocky. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we'll get a lot of, lot of terminology exclusively <laughs> for horror. <laughs> um, okay, well, so we'll, we'll measure the schlock faster on, on this one. <laughs> schlock meter at home. Uh, we'll start with the earliest release so far. Um, it's going to be The Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg. Yes. Uh, what did it come out in? 83. 83, yes. So uh, this is finally a movie that's getting into... Very close to the whole reason why, uh, with one of my friends, we started this watching of David Cronenberg's films. Started with Scanners, covered Videodrome pretty recently. The Dead Zone is now here, and soon we will have The Fly, uh, which is, of course, this amazing classic that I want to revisit and really put a critical eye to beyond yeah. just like, wow, is this the grossest film ever or what, you know? <laughs> But the Dead Zone, it's uh, it's our latest dive into into Cronenberg's film. Uh, it we, he's definitely dialing back 
uh, a lot of the practical uh, effects. It's not necessarily going to be a film that is a Cronenberg monster, as referred to as sometimes. His practical effects are not really on display here in a major, major way. But we dial up the Christopher Walken, which is equally enjoyable. Uh, as <laughs> It is enjoyable. He's it amazing. Is. Okay, okay. This is coming up right around when, you know, Christopher Walken, I think, was revered as an amazing actor. Uh, the Deer Hunter, of course, being in his repertoire by this yes, point. Yes, yes, um, of course. Yeah, so it, it, it's really it's really nice to see. This is a supernatural drama and emphasis on drama to this movie because it's, you know, honestly, it's not so much that it's a horror film, but as a Stephen King story, it is a, I think, a drama first and foremost with su- uh, supernatural dressings to it, uh, which uh, was exciting for to watch because it's something very different to the madness that is Scanners, the madness that is Videodrome uh, in Cronenberg's repertoire. So, so like you said, with it being a drama and everything like that, it, it, you said that the visual effects kind of took a back seat on this one. Mm-hmm. And in like Videodrome, you really like the effects. It's oh. what actually bumped bumped the scores up a little 100%. bit. One hundred percent. Did you feel lacking at all, or did were you like, oh, this is appropriate that he didn't go crazy on the effects and everything like that? Yeah, I'm glad he didn't go crazy with the effects uh, because more than anything, when I when I looked at the Dead Zone and I was watching the Dead Zone, what grounded me was a very emotional story. Uh, it is a drama first, uh, okay, and I think. That is the strength of it. It's a little boring for that reason, and I'll, I'll definitely get into that in just a second with it being a Stephen King story, for better or worse. And definitely there's some worse categories to it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> for me, though, as far as The Dead Zone, it is really enjoyable because Christopher Watkins is a presence on screen. He is mysterious. He is entertaining, uh, and he does have a, you know what I'll call an Al Pacino-like freak-out in, in multiple scenes that is just so, so enjoyable to watch. Good, good. It's not yeah. cringy or too over-the-top. No, it, it's, it's right on point, and it really drives home what otherwise is a very slow burn of a film, and again, a, and a drama first and foremost. Uh, it really drives home some, some serious beats that we needed in the film. Okay, cool. Uh, some highlights to it. But why don't we talk about the story itself? Uh, I, again, the window dressing here is that Christopher Walken uh, has... Uh, had an encounter uh, that is going to kind of inherit some supernatural powers. Uh, and this being a Stephen King story, there are really great aspects. Uh, the pacing, I think, is huge here. Uh, while it is a slow burn of a film and kind of unfolds how uh, Christopher Walken's character is interacting with this supernatural side that he's uncovered, it really is great. It feels punchy. It feels like it's going to the most important points in his life, which is uh, really great. Uh, and you can definitely see that it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a well-penned story for that reason. Well, on the worst side is some of the wackiness, and uh, like with most Stephen King stories, that comes in the third act. This film is separated into thirds. There's basically a you know the the, the first, second, and third part to it. Uh, not necessarily acts because they're kind of evolutions of all the characters for the story. Uh, that third act though gets a little crazy, and to sp- shine the spotlight on 
someone's acting that I didn't like in it was Martin Sheen's actually. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not. I did not enjoy Martin Sheen's performance on screen. I think it was it probably designed to be cartoonish, uh, but really took me out of. Uh, so it was kind of written that way. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt it was he written could, that way. Yeah, because he usually delivers really well. Absolutely. Oh, well, he probably did deliver it well. Unfortunately, right. I think it's it's more a problem with the source material okay. on this. That 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 was a little bit of a disappointment when it comes to uh, what I was looking forward to, what I was engaged with with most of the film, and then just kind of towards the end uh, soiled the bed a little bit. So I don't know much about just to go back to the whole the fact that it's a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. I, like I don't know I don't know much of one him his writing or really like the movies based around him. It mm-hmm. pops up. Oh, this is based on a Stephen King novel. But even I know that, like, he is known for slow, 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 kind of, mm-hmm. and then just crazy, or right. we're going to give it to you at the very end, and we're just going to, like, right, blow right. up the story, kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's typical him, correct? Yeah, I, I think uh, as well with, with Dead Zone specifically, if uh, the, the win here is that you have kind of three mini-stories within the, the, the one movie, mm-hmm. uh, so you have the beats... Kind of raised to a height and then kind of low, uh, you know, uh, return back down. It's it's a good match for what we're covering with the character because he evolves. Christopher Walken's character evolves over time a little bit uh, with again his interaction with these with this supernatural aspect. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, for that reason, though, I don't think the movie was designed to be a horror first, which is good. However, I think while Walken definitely adds some star power to the affair, it does kind of feel like a TV movie for that reason. And uh, I couldn't help but thinking that I, I wonder why Cronenberg at the time, I mean, obviously 83, I mean, this is going back some time, why he picked up this project specifically. Yeah, because it seems like it's a little bit just, <clears throat> again, I, I don't, I didn't watch it, but mm-hmm. you have done Cronenberg recently. Mm-hmm. On a few occasions, and it does seem a little bit tame for him. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to describe it. Tame is is exactly... It's what you're curious about. You're wondering, almost on the edge of your seat. At least I was in this kind of self-imposed film study of some of Cronenberg's work. I was wondering when the monster was going to come out, and there's no monster, you know. So <laughs> it's interesting because, what well, do you think that, that that TV movie kind of feeling? Do you think that just was a product of the early '80s, or was it specific? I mean, you certainly have watched, especially recently, the things in the '80s, also. Yeah, I think it's uh, what what gives me the TV movie vibe is very specifically in how the music sounds and how it's shot as well. I think there's Basic. some creative cinematography in this film. Cronenberg oh, okay. does do a good job there. I think actually that. Is is a bump up from something like Videodrome uh, or, or or Scanners. Where it falls a tiny, tiny bit short for me is, again, music production. It just seems a little bit cheaper uh, mm-hmm. for some reason. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's where it's 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 kind of muddied for me a little bit. Uh, overall, though, I think this is one of the better Cronenberg films. Uh, I think, does it hit on the title of being a Cronenberg film in the madness that you may sign up for that for, the elevator pitch, if you will, uh, for folks at home. I think it kind of maybe falls out of what I was designed this this film study for of his films, uh, and that was primarily practical effects and how they could, you know, how they can be created and how they can survive in a a, a modern viewing of it. But it's just, you know, it's falling short for me because it's not what I thought. I don't think I can mark it too negatively for that reason. Uh, And I think bottom line, 
I really have to judge what Walken is doing on screen and what the story holds up with as far as being a Stephen King story. Yeah, look at it as an individual product. Exactly, because I'm I'm coming in with a bias that way, and I think I need to tone that. And I don't know about a bias. You're looking. You're coming in knowing Cronenberg's work, right? And as soon as you see Cronenberg work in the '80s, oh, and it's called The Dead Zone, right? I think automatically. I think I think anyone automatically is coming with. I don't even know if expectation is the word, Mm -hmm. but a presumption Mm -hmm. of what you're about to see. Absolutely. But that's good to hear that the special you, you weren't missing the special effects. Like it's it's good that he didn't take a story that didn't need it and then just threw him in there. Yeah, it's actually yeah. nice that he could switch it up a bit a little bit and, and be more tame. And absolutely, yeah. If anything, it showed that he had some depth uh, to what he could do. Right, right. Uh, and obviously, Cronenberg goes on, he ditches a lot of the horror. He goes on to direct things like Eastern Promises. You know, right, absolutely. You know, yeah. they're, they're, if anything, in the film study that I'm doing, you know, past the fly, he kind of ditches the horror pretty pretty quickly so uh i i think it's just this was in the midst of when he was in that the most yeah exactly um, so it was just it was it was it kind of took me by surprise by no means is that marked to the film and yeah, not necessarily a bad thing exactly exactly uh is this a film that i think is required watching even in with within cronenberg's uh, filmography I don't really know. Uh, looking back on my review of Videodrome, we scored that at a 69, I believe. But when it comes to what I think is, to my ranking system, what's going to be something that you need to make time for, uh, something that's a must-watch, I think The Dead Zone still falls short in those categories. So bottom line, we're going to go ahead and give The Dead Zone a 68. Oh, okay, all right, 68. So right there with... Yeah, Videodrome. Good and bad in different ways. It is, I mean, a very different movie than Videodrome. Yeah. Not that everything has to be compared to each other, but... No, of course, of course. Uh, I think uh, I think that's where it really does land for me. I would, I, I'm definitely interested in watching for the Christopher Walken aspect. I think personally... Oh, he's I, great. I would probably prefer The Dead Zone over Videodrome, maybe for me personally. Yeah, yeah. And you I still... just like the craziness of Videodrome. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's up there. It is definitely up there. But good, okay. The Dead Zone, sixty-eight percent, very, very good. Let's move on to big director. Big director with his two thousand six release of The Host, and uh, this is Bong Joon Ho, who, of course, we know from Parasite. Right, right. I- I'm glad you introduced it in that way. Uh, I-, I didn't, I didn't prep you in that way, but I think that's really where I want to lead with my recommendation for this film. Is that, um, and I'll, I'll probably say this a few times if. There is any aspect that you enjoyed in the genre balancing. Uh, we, I, I don't think it's been given a name just yet as far as a succinct, a succinct description of what is being done on screen in this genre juggling act. Who knows? Maybe we can, we can nail something down. When it comes to what goes on the screen, uh, and if I'm being honest... Why I think Parasite won the Oscar uh, and had so much buzz around it, I'm telling you, folks, it is here in the host in 2006. Uh, It is here, 100%. Everything that Parasite does well, it is in the host. Really? It's just a different package. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, The host is a monster movie with character. If I had to give it the elevator pitch, it, it boils down to that. But it's really not fair to call it a monster movie. The monster aspect of it is so much in a backseat and so much just something to move the plot around, uh, along. This is 100% Bong style. And it, truthfully, 
he's making a movie about families. I think even if you compare it to something like Snowpiercer, wow. Snowpiercer kind of comes a, a movie about adopted family. This much more in main line with Parasite. It is a movie about family and kind of comes with a natural goofiness. That is, I think, the key to this genre balancing that he does because if he's making movies about family, this goofiness, this natural comedy uh, kind of comes into play and then so happens to that 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 so happens to be in other genres that he's balancing. Uh, in this case, it is a monster horror movie that he's balancing this all in. And I can't tell you how much it works. Uh, it works wow. more as... That's great. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really ecstatic for this. And uh, he kept it through... Uh, how much more work does, does this guy have? This uh, is years. Uh, the host is tw- uh, 2006. Parasite is, what, 2019? Yep, yep. I mean, uh, he did Snowpiercer in between, but apparently oh, he course, has right. some really... Good earlier work. I think it's called Memories of a Murder or Memoirs of a Murder. I have to check out. Oh, well, we'll visit definitely it for on sure. the list. Yeah. Absolutely. Because this has definitely shown me that Parasite is not lightning in a bottle. He has been doing this for some time That's and awesome. he knows what he's doing, which was really just amazing to and see. He's doing it with monsters. Yeah. Uh, I I, can't, I I know it sounds weird, but Parasite sounds weird, you know, from a, from right, a, yeah. you know, from an elevator pitch. Um, let, let's 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 tone it back a little bit because I don't want to just gush over this film. Uh, monster visuals are a bit dated. While creatively, the monster's design is very cool. It, I mean, I can't get around that it's 2006 CGI. I think they're going for, I mean, and no less South Korean film uh, industry CGI. Right, right. I don't think it is without criticism to it but the silver lining here is again the monster itself is taking a backseat to a lot of shared spotlight and primarily a spotlight on an ensemble cast of the entire family uh, and comedic moments in there that just uh, that work it doesn't even work in like the type of comedy you would see in maybe like an anime or some sort of Asian film it mm-hmm. just works because everyone has a family and he's making real comedic moments uh, that work on screen and I, you know, watching this, I was so ready to honestly hate it because I was like, what, he's doing this in a, in a horror film? Right, right. I can't tell you how much you get entranced in the family and you fall in love with the type of moments that happen on screen. Wow. It is a phenomenal film. That's uh, it so is good to so hear. good. Yeah. For that reason, I'm surprised more... I, I don't. I mean, I think I did hear about it, hear about it. Of course, with like especially. What did he do after or before Parasite? Right, when Parasite, you know, buzz. When Parasite came out, exactly. It was mm-hmm. like it was in the air a little bit, and some of his films were being mentioned, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It's. It didn't like catch on and be mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's like, no, he's known for being good. Everyone talked about Snowpiercer for the most part. Right, right, and I think Snowpiercer, solid movie, it doesn't hold what he can truly do in this genre juggling. So was this. In English, dubbed or um, subtitles? Subtitles, Still. yes. Okay, uh, right. it is. Yeah, and I, I honestly, much like Parasite, I wouldn't want a an English dub on this one. Uh, I think there is just so much natural comedic acting uh, in their delivery of the lines, mm-hmm. and uh, the 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 father in Parasite is the main lead here as well. Very so, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he has some acting chops, and clearly, much how many directors kind of take a liking to one specific actor, this has to be Bong's guy, basically. Um, oh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I can't stress enough though. I, I seriously, uh, while it may be more jar- jarring than what parasite does as a mix of genres being thriller comedy 
kind of socioeconomic criticism. The same balancing act, the same genre juggling that is done there and that it got all the acclaim for, it's here in the host. And I and, and just to stress on this again, it's because I think he's telling stories about families and families naturally have some awkwardness and actually have some goofiness. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress enough. I mean, I really would put this film in front of anyone just to just to almost even test uh, that the comedy lands it's not situational it's not because i have you know i would say i you know maybe a little bit more tolerable of, of asian comedy or asian jokes in films uh, because of my like of animation uh, this this film works on just a natural level uh, and the the actors do a great job at, at translating that but i think again i can't stress enough that the balancing of it it comes that Comedy is always interweaved because families are always interweaved. Uh, and that's why I really wouldn't call this a horror. Mm. Uh, it is definitely a horror. Uh, it, the horror takes a back seat, uh, which, uh, I mean, say what you will about uh, horror being a excellent film uh, category or film genre. This is, this is something that has to do something else to get a lot of praise from me. I think it does a wonderful balancing act. Wow, though. okay. Yeah. While the film has many moods, I think what it does, maybe to, to balance some of my critique here, there is a little bit of a disarray because if you... Uh, maybe let, let, me, let me not compare it so much to, to Parasite, but when it comes to... What we're looking at for if, if scenes going from comedy to heartfelt emotional scenes to actual horror, it's a little bit disorienting because the horror is there, and it's obviously an outlier to what is maybe a, a heartwarming film, uh, a film with character. Uh, so it's a little bit hard to to kind of snap back to the center. That said, though, uh, he does it. He does pull it off. I, I think it's it's a win and a success uh, in what he's going for. It sounds like he's just a master of balancing things. Yeah, yeah. Because it carries through his parasite too. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, it was it was so exciting to see this film so early on in his career, 2006 versus 2019. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, hard recommend if you love Parasite, if you got enraptured. Oh, yeah, a lot of people did. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is, I would say, required viewing when it comes down to that. Uh, it is amazing uh, at what it does and what it does so early. Uh, when I came into uh, this, it was just something that I knew was on my list. I came out of this absolutely loving this film. I don't think there is much more I want to talk about with it just because very simply, it's something that I would be very comfortable giving a blanket recommendation to anyone that is curious about Bong's uh, work, earlier work, wants to see clearly what he has a very deliberate vision with in his films. Uh, And more than anything, I think out of the horror movies I've been watching, definitely was a standout as wow. far as the quality and and the enjoyment, uh, the true enjoyment, the entertainment factor of this movie. So we're going to go ahead and give the host an 80 on the dot. Wow. Yeah. I was uh, I was ecstatic by it. Uh, Dude, that's, a, that's a big score for a movie like this. Absolutely. That's a big score. Absolutely. Wow. Certainly yeah. going to have to check it out. Right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm excited that I was able to find something like this, too. And, and maybe there was some shock value in going into it and not expecting. I was kind of just expecting, all right, well, this is going to be, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you look at, yeah, monster movie. You mm-hmm. look at the premise and everything like that. Mm-hmm. That's What a good surprise. What a yeah. nice surprise. Honestly. And maybe that's the, uh, and maybe that's the, 
what he's going for, that it kind of um, uh, catches you by surprise. You're expecting one thing, and wow, it comes I mean, out he, as something entirely new. Yeah, I mean, he could just be a guy who loves the challenge. Right, right. Let's take a horror monster movie, but let's really turn it into something and make it right. a family it, it is, action kind of movie. Or it's, yeah, it's like a family. I don't know. It's it's got Very so much cool. character, so much heart, uh, and but like difficult to do. That's what I mean by balance. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, if he's doing it this well, I mean that's imp- right. It's, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Like. Very easy to mess up. Correct? Oh, for sure. And comedy, especially, I mean, it could very easily oh. just come off as cringy or or just not land maybe for Western audiences well, as well. It could, it could derail the movie. Sure, sure. And and, and uh, like I said, don't get me wrong. There's maybe some disarray there. That's why I think bottom line, Parasite probably the better film out of the two. But sure. everything that he does there, all the praise that he got, it it is in the DNA of this film. Yeah, it feel, you know you're watching the same director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A Which definitive is a good thing in this style. case. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, very, very cool. 80. Um, yeah, big score. In, yeah, a once big we, surprise. Once, yeah, you cracked that 80. That's a, that's a big surprise. And uh, I was happy to see. Good movie. Far and few between for this month, folks. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see as the weeks unfold. Yeah, let's uh, see if we can continue here. Yeah, right. uh, I don't know about it. but uh, Right. All right, well, let's, well, we'll jump to uh, Patterson. Okay, yes. Uh, Patterson, uh, not a horror film, <laughs> but uh, it uh, has been on my radar for a little bit uh, now. Uh, obviously, it was pushed into something that I wanted to see because I've really been on an Adam Driver kick. I uh, really enjoy him on screen as far as his performances. I mean, it's great. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and obviously, we have The Last Duel coming up, uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Super excited for it. Gucci. Uh, yep, House of Gucci. So, I mean, he's really on a hot streak, and I've been... I've been uh, uh, happy to watch some of his earlier work as well. 2016 as well. Correct. Where does that clock in for uh, Star Wars, I wonder? Uh, is that uh, right Star Wars came out in 2015, I believe. Okay, yeah. so he's coming off this. But uh, Patterson is very plainly, uh, very reminiscent of Jim Jarmusch. His films, his earliest work, uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, is what... I always have known his films to be. Uh, honestly, haven't watched too much more beyond that. I know he actually has a horror film called the, I think, The Dead Don't Die, that came out semi recently. This film is very reminiscent of Coffee and Cigarettes. That it is kind of these structured uh, vignettes. Uh, there are mini stories within stories, and it's all very heavily dialogue driven. Uh, Adam Driver is a bus driver. Uh, in this movie, he is also a poet. So there are equal moments that we have a day-in-the-life type of view of who he's driving around. Uh, that's where these vignettes kind of come into play that we hear entirely unrelated stories. But obviously, the camera, the focus, the uh, the overall story, it's making us understand that... Adam Driver's character is taking this as inspiration in some way or it plays into a kind of parallel narrative uh, of the film. The film's a little boring, though, uh, I gotta be honest. Uh, I think it lacks some of the edge that would keep uh, an audience's attention, like uh, with coffee and cigarettes. Uh, and it's really these, these, these spotlights, they're of the mundane. They are specifically of the mundane and kind of the daily grind. Uh, that's the message of the film. Right, right. Is it the most entertaining for that reason? Right. I would say Yeah, because no. Coffee and Cigarettes had its own big face. Well, big... Oh, sure. Big cast, quick, and like big people on screen who you just, you generally, you enjoy just seeing on screen. Absolutely. And interacting. Yeah. There was almost like an interview quality that you're like, mm, oh, yeah. I want to I see this, you know? Right, right. Uh, and, but, but, 
what what is interesting about Patterson is that that type of structure, which coffee and cigarettes, it's kind of hard to call it like a, a narrative narrative movie or, or a traditional movie uh, as far as a, a film structure or a film story. It takes this this vignette design and puts it into a story, which I think is the most admirable quality of Patterson. Mm. Um, uh, poetry is seriously in the DNA of this film in both the city, the characters, the story. Uh, if you are and what fictional city or real city? Uh, uh, real city, Patterson, New Jersey, actually. So it's it's oh. uh, focused around that. There's some weird historical segments. I have no idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the the film puts it in your face. I, I I wonder if this was really the driving point that he just found that so many different things were a part of the city. But it, it, poetry is seriously in the DNA of this film. I would say this is an above average recommend. Uh, aside from my scoring on it for anyone that is uh, a poetry nut because I think there is a lot to appreciate that maybe I wasn't able to entirely go beyond surface deep on. Okay, uh, sure. So something I, I want to put into the criticism of it in, in a positive way, though. Melancholy is the theme here. You are able to get entranced into Adam Driver's daily grind uh, into these poetry segments that are riddled throughout the film in, a, in an entirely in a positive way. It's not distraction distracting when these come up. And if you're able to get behind maybe a movie like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind mm. or I'm trying to think what else maybe Something with that same feeling. That, that right. same... It, melancholy, I think. Yeah, is, okay. is, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's the color gray. Uh, mm-hmm, if I had mm-hmm. to give it a color on film, it, it's it's absolutely going for that. That is the intention. But once again, I cannot stress enough that regardless of a, an excellent execution of that intention, does it land somewhere for me that I say, "Oh, you got to see this film." Unfortunately, not uh, for that reason. Right, I think right. there, there's a practical there's a practicality to it. I think this movie could really work for some. Uh, I think the performances really work for it, but even in the performances, uh, just to kind of create a bridge to some of the acting in this, it's good, of course, but because there are no incredible beats, there's no, you know, uh, so to speak, an Oscar moment in something, that, uh, you know, there's no, it's not this mm. one moment, oh, you got to see him, you know, Adam, uh, you know, loses loses shit in here or something like that, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have that beat that, that makes me want to recommend it. It doesn't have maybe a water cooler talk aspect to it. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because especially if you're describing it as a melancholy kind of, it doesn't mm-hmm. have an excitement to it. Oh, absolutely. That is going to really have you up and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that you didn't enjoy it. It seems mm-hmm. like you overall enjoyed it just fine. Yeah. But it's it, it's those films are tricky mm-hmm. because it's trying to be something, and it sounds like it's being it very, mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming it was well acted with him and everything yeah. like that and the writing was good but it's just uh, maybe a movie like that can only be so good mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. only go so high right and I think for better or worse the structures of it sharing the spotlight on everyone from random bus goers to supporting cast right right uh, I think it robs some of our main cast of where they would give, be given an opportunity to have more of the story spotlight, have more some some more development. Uh, every character has a silver lining to their story. 
but it's almost left me saying, okay, I I don't really care about this one. I wish it was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I, I think that's obviously very subjective of who you're going to attach with in this film of of many shades of melancholy. Uh, Nonetheless, that that was something that I was really noting down at multiple points in the film. For me, I could get entranced in this, but I think for most, it is going to be a semi-miss here. I think a slow slow burn, a slow build, uh, seemingly going nowhere. Uh, However, with with a keen eye, with a keen pay attention to uh, especially the poetry beats of this film, the literal poetry uh, that Adam Driver is is performing uh, in in kind of creatively writing this, I think there is a lot to appreciate this film. Maybe even a second viewing of this film, uh, but again, uh, it, it it lacked an electricity. Uh, it lacked a stickiness yeah, that yeah. I was excited to recommend or rave to someone about, uh, and I think it, that that's coming. through through in, in what I'm saying. Sure, so. sure, absolutely. With that said, we're going to go ahead and give Patterson a 66. Oh, still very good. Absolutely. Probably a little bit better than I thought you were going to give it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, it's a good time. I, I think uh, watching Coffee and Cigarettes again critically, with a critical eye to yeah. it, I think that's going to possibly even increase my appreciation of this film. I bet, oh, I bet. Seeing so. what he's doing in the concept and actually making it a narrative film. Yeah, that's a good way to be looking at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, 66 pretty good for Patterson. Mm-hmm. All righty, but let's move it on to The Empty Man. Okay, all right. So The Empty Man, uh, I, wrote, I wrote this on today's episode of painfully generic movie titles. Oh. Wasted potential takes center stage in this cult cosmic horror. Yeah, I, I think for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me, this movie had a lot of potential, uh, but just did not did not land. I use the word cult horror in two ways. Uh, this film has, in rec- in the recent year, gathered a little bit of a cult following uh, online, which okay. is, uh, you may, you know, uh, folks at home may kind of come across some buzz for this film. It is on HBO Max as well. Uh, HBO, we're, we're taking sponsors. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, right. We're getting with Warren Brothers. <laughs> but it is also a cult horror in the subject matter of it. It is about uh, a very kind of mediocre kind of detective noir, uh, but the unraveling in what our main character is discovering, the cult that kind of unfolds, uh, it, it's it's very plainly is in a cosmic horror, Lovecraftian type of genre, uh, in, in, in horror. Cosmic horror would be the, the big umbrella to that, meaning that, you know, it's something kind of unknowable, unseeable, uh, and... Uh, it, it's it hits in ways. Uh, the director David Pryor. Um, I I actually I had no idea going into the Empty Man. It was something that he directed. I actually am a huge fan of one of his short films, AM Twelve Hundred, which uh, mm-hmm. a, a while back, way before the podcast, I kind of did a self-imposed film study of all of Crafty and Horror that was on screen. Actually, now there are a lot more movies in that genre. That's really kind of blown up. But uh, this AM-1200 was a short film uh, and really, really well executed. What was probably most disappointing to me is... David Pryor, the director, I, I I don't think a lot of the what worked in that film is brought here. It's it's really disappointing because I, I can't tell you how much potential is in the the DNA of this film, and I think it just does not land on so many levels. I wonder, you know, I hmm, that's that, that that's interesting. I have to say, this it seems 
too long. It's two hours and seventeen minutes. Oh, you just wait. Well, that's it's funny <laughs> though. So he had a um, presumably. I mean, this came out in twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. a bigger budget and a full length feature film. I wonder if feeling being constrained with both mm-hmm. budget and time for mm-hmm. a shorter film leads you with you just have enough time and just have enough resources to get the best of what the best mm-hmm. of the best of what you have to give. Mm-hmm. Which maybe is why his short was so good. And yep. here you have more funds, more resources, more time mm-hmm. that you can have on screen. Apparently, there was some production story with this one too. Uh, apparently, there was something with the with the buyout uh, of 20th okay. Century Fox. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, and it's just it's just interesting that because as you just said, there's good parts to this film, mm-hmm. and I just wonder if you just cut that fat, you mm-hmm. could have gotten something much better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, I, I think trimming the fat. I mean, let's let's kind of jump to some of my criticism there. I mean, this is hour twenty. Uh, hour, uh, I'm sorry, two hours sixteen. Is that what you see on your end? Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, yeah. I see two seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this film really starts picking up with why I would call it a cosmic horror at the hour and twenty mark. I mean, to a certain yeah. extent, maybe in a horror concept, it was it, it's done to maybe diffuse the character. Uh, obviously, what comes to mind. As you know, a movie writing the book on that type of ruling is The Exorcist, where first half is a medical drama, second half is 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 The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, I it could maybe see some appreciation there uh, of a slow burn. Uh, and yeah, but if you're f- gonna do a slow burn horror and try to make something special, it yeah. better be damn special. Absolutely, you better be doing something unique. It's, 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 yeah, it's 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 a real shame. Uh, the first sequence is great too. The first sequence introduces the re- the real horror concept, uh, very similarly to how Ridley Scott would use H.R. Giger for uh, the design for the Alien in the Aliens franchise. He's definitely grabbing actually from an artist that I'm familiar with. I am going to butcher the name uh, Zdzislaw Be- Beksinski. Uh, a Polish artist, a uh, surrealist artist that has incredible, incredible uh, nightmarish designs, and he grabs that for some of the creature design. That's in the first sequence, and if anything, it's abandoned later on in the film. It, mm. it just makes me wonder, production-wise, what what may have happened. Definitely is is disappointing for that reason. And again, right in my intro, it's wasted potential. I think more than anything, there's a lot of cool stuff once this film gets going, but I can I cannot ignore the hour and twenty you know uh, first it's half long, long yeah long movie for this to I'm, get to the into point where, it that's uh, not a mark of a film that I would recommend right and, and we've talked about well there's a a, a common talking thing that we've had here which is <laughs> a runtime is runtime yeah. and it's usually we say 15 20 minutes you could shave off this sounds like you could shave off like 45 minutes maybe uh, maybe even some reordering of some events I think uh, the film really does shoot itself in the foot by putting such a great opening sequence at the beginning and then the middle of the, hanging, yeah, the, the middle of the sandwich is a is a very mundane, very middle of the road and investigative kind of drama uh, or investigative kind of horror. It's it's lacking the balance of what we were talking about was so good with the host. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, I, believe me, uh, I am not here to just rag on directors. If anything, I am in David Pryor's corner for my love of AM twelve hundred. Everything that I'm saying with this film, go watch that short film. Uh, yeah, we'll have to go back and put a uh, 
and give audio. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A really great time and uh, so successful in the genre of cosmic horror, too. That really was one of the standouts when I did that kind of uh, film study with that. I think when it comes down to some of the story beats in this film, the logic of the film is what doesn't hit for me. Uh, I think while the film definitely rewards paying attention and an audience member that will pay attention to specific beats, certainly with the second half of this film... Uh, again, it, this story really invites some bad continuity issues that I think <laughs> not even like a critical moviegoer, I think like the average moviegoer will w- really watch this and be like, wait, what? what? How is this? You know, um, yeah, this is no good. Some of that is explained by the surrealist aspects, uh, the cosmic aspects, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, later on in the film. Others, I, to my knowledge, are just left unexplained. And I think that is uh, just a mark uh, in, a, in a bad way for the film. A- again, any I, notes of acting, by the way? I'm not familiar with the main actor, James. Um, yeah, uh, James Badgedale. Yeah, uh, every he's 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 definitely the main uh, as far as the supporting cast. Very limited. I did not recognize a single actor or actress in this, though. Uh, right, not previous, bi- not big names. Yeah, that's not to say that it is terrible, but I mean, I'm not trying to be overcritical and really crucify the guy, but if there's something wrong in the delivery of how much you're engaged in that first hour and 20, it's for the main guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. It's, it's very, very middle of the road performance. And again, you know, I, I'm, I'm really ragging on this movie a little bit. I can't stress enough. It goes back to what I opened with that it is wasted potential because eventually it gets to a good point. Eventually it uh, gets to something that you're on the edge of your seat and you're kind of unraveling the plot. I think there's some problems in that unraveling itself, but it do- bottom line, it does eventually get good i think if i had to give an elevator pitch and say oh it's good but an hour 20 minutes in that's not something that i can say is anything that <laughs> is uh, you know i'm jumping over the table and right. say oh you gotta watch the empty man right, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i think that's perfectly encapsulated in just such a generic title the empty man i mean it, it, it sounds yeah yeah schlocky so put up the schlocky counter uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> i mean yeah y- Yes, I I wouldn't stay away from just that. I'm okay with yeah. that. If a generic name, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But when you tap it with a generic movie, then yeah, it's not not yeah, good at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at the host. It's called the host. Right. Right. True. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. So when it when it comes to though, uh, the empty man, I think if if you happen to come across folks at home. Some of this reverence for the film online, the the cult following to the film, I think it might be something that's worth your time. I think for me, though, it is a hard pull in both directions, uh, primarily losing out to that, but... It's a shame because I do I do like where the film goes eventually. It's just very hard for me to recommend. I think for that reason, it really it, this was a film that when I was done with, I you know almost felt the rating. <laughs> and <laughs> with, with that said, we're gonna go ahead and give The Empty Man a fifty-one. Fifty-one. Yeah, it sounded like it was gonna be straight down the middle. All right, straight down the middle. But I, I gotta give it at least it's, it's, one point in the face. You know, right, I mean? right. The, the the weighted heads on the coin flip. The opening sequence was cool enough. <laughs> right, right. To, to top it over there. Exactly. Yeah. I like the design. Yeah, yeah. But I bet, I mean, I wonder how much you would have enjoyed it more if it was an hour and a half or an hour and 45. Oh, trim the fat. It's It's been the biggest, it, it, I think it's our first meme. You know, it's it's our first, like, idea it, it, that is has kind of existed through multiple shows. Uh, yeah, if you go back years of just us talking and film together, mm-hmm. if you 
you know this this critic this criticize you have of film have really been coming in the past year year and a half I would yeah. say where you you're critically watching more and more mm-hmm. and it's very common once we get over two hours you best have a damn good reason for be over two hours i know i know and just wait until we get into some of the more horror films because you know a lot of the older horrors boy, boy, boy. It, i'm glad they're, it's they're you shorter. and not me <laughs> that, well that is true the older ones pers- they're, they're shorter they're all yeah. 90 minutes you know mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean it's 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 give and take sometimes but uh but yeah yeah, uh, that that's that's that basically. Fifty one from the empty man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, huh, yeah, I think I'll I'll leave that one there. <laughs> I don't think I'll be tuning in. Yeah, right. Right. But okay. So we have one film left. It's it's the new release. It's the one in theaters now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released in twenty twenty, but is in theaters. Yes. Uh, so I believe this had some sort of. Uh, some sort of festival release where it's technically 2020. This has a theatrical run, though, uh, late August through September, and I wouldn't be surprised if it has maybe some staying power. It's got uh, some legs. Um, I don't know. It, 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 there's heavy hitters coming out, uh, and I think something like Halloween Kills would knock this out of a horror slot in a, in a theater. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so before we get to this, though, mm-hmm. uh, let's go into our producer segment. This is where we take the we take a short little time away from the podcast here and remind you that uh, Vin and I, we do this without advertisers. We don't want advertisers. We don't want to be shilling products we don't care about. We don't want to be stuck to anything, really. We just mm-hmm. want to be free of the corporate sponsors and all that advertising yeah. and everything like that. So the only thing with that is we go off of donations from all of you, the producers. Uh, anyone who makes monetary donations to the show, you are legitimate producers of the podcast. Vin and I are here. We're hosts. We host the show. You all help us produce. You all produce the show. So you can go on the dailyratings.com, go to the donations tab where you can give us any amount of value that you feel you received from us. It's a value for value model. We have some fun little payment plans if you want. There's some monthly subscriptions if you want to do that. Or if you just have a weird number you want to go ahead and give us, go forward. You can write a note, which we'll read on air. And this is when we'll just go through and we'll read the names. And if you want to be anonymous, say you want to be anonymous. And we'll go through, read the donations amounts, read your notes if you want, have some input, some criticism, some sure. nice words for That's sure. totally fine. Recommendations, I think, what excites me the most. Oh, well. recommendations and just and just commentary on what we're, we're providing and what people are receiving, basically, sure. Sure. And, and what they're getting and anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of building a little family here. A little tribe, and it, it's it's fun. It's fun, you know. We enjoy movies, mm-hmm. and it's fun to enjoy them with people. Yeah, and that's what we're creating here a little bit. Uh, you know, we all started. We started this because we really hate places like Rotten Tomatoes and just your basic thumbs up, thumbs down, your five stars, things like that. We just we weren't happy with it, and because we like film, we decided to start this. Mm-hmm. It does take a lot of time does take some money, so anything that you can give back to us, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. It's the dailyratings.com. Head to the donations tab, and anything you can give, again, we would greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. So thank you, producers, and let's keep it going here with new releases. We're going to go ahead and do The Night House, uh, directed by David Bruckner. Yes, so uh, I was a big fan uh, of The Ritual. That was David Bruckner's first film, uh, or maybe not first film, but the film that I I, I watched from him uh, initially, and this is very plainly in this psychological horror type of film that The Ritual was, and clearly is his stylings. It was so great to see because it it, it 
in being the same shade as the ritual, I saw what intrigued me about his directing style, what he likes to put the emphasis on, and most importantly, the great slow burn that he builds in the sadness of his characters. Uh, and, and that was really entertaining here. This is a house ghost uh, haunting type of horror um i think that comes with both good and bad one being that i don't know I, i'm i'm per se not really a believer in ghosts or scared of ghosts or anything like that so i think <laughs> as, a, as a as a as a horror trope i was a little bit in and out of this one but what what really has it kind of been there done that because it's just like so such a common yeah horror theme i think it's a little bit been there done that I think for me as well, it doesn't it doesn't present itself in the same type of setting uh, that psychological horror can really do well. And we get so familiar with the house mm -hmm. uh, in this film that I think, uh, which will be a, definitely a theme for a lot of horror films that I review, information leads to less horror. Uh, the more information we have, the more familiarity, the less scare. Uh, the less spook. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, for so sure, for sure. That's some of where I think this, uh, the, the genre, or maybe not the genre, the um, uh, the setting or the stylings of this, of the type of horror, uh, definitely holds it back a tiny bit. Rebecca Hall uh, is our lead in this, and she is great. Uh, I think if the, if the movie is trying to convey a slow, sad, reflective type of psychological horror, she does a great job in it. Uh, okay. I can't say it was huge fan of her and other performances recently she was in kong skull island uh not skull island uh, godzilla, godzilla vs. kong, kong yeah. yes so i mean she's, she's kind of been in other performances this i think it was a perfect match uh she had a uh almost like a shining light quality to it oh, okay very uh, cool which was good uh definitely spotted character not uh plainly a protagonist you know someone that you can root for but also you know kind of hate a little bit it was it was a good balancing act and she she did a great job for that reason Odd to say, but it's like it's entertaining grieving. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of terrible to say, but I mean, you know, it's a horror film. So entertaining grieving is, is where it, it landed for me. And really the first time I, I seriously enjoyed her to say, oh, uh, Rebecca Hall, you know. But slow, sad, reflective, I think the setup is there, much how a psychological horror needs to lay the seeds, needs to kind of weave the story throughout it to tie back. I think if I had to define psychological horror, it is in the tie back to say, oh, you know, this was this was shown to us earlier, or or this is a, a trend that or, or, or a quality that we see in our characters. I think in that the payoff of the tie back is what's most important there. Unfortunately, it's in the payoff is where this film kind of falls short a little bit. There's a lot of cool design, the specific type of. I, I don't want to uh, definitely not spoil anything specifically, but there's a lot of cool shadow work. Uh, I think, once again, this film rewards the uh, very attentive, very eagle-eyed type of viewer uh, to pay attention to backgrounds and whatnot. I think there's a lot to unpack there, which is great, uh, but it, a lot of it is very subtle, and the film also, to maybe supplement that, is not above some jump scares, which I think detract from it in much more of a way of just like, oh, that's a shitty jump scare. No, it, it kind of soils the slow burn that it's going for because something was put in there to create a beat 
to to get the audience to pay attention throughout the film. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. It doesn't sound like it's necessarily a bad thing unless they do it poorly, which it sounds like it did. Like, I don't mind a jump scare if mm-hmm. it fits. Uh, I, like if you're if you're legitimately jumping and legitimately getting mm-hmm. freaked out for mm-hmm. a split second, is I mean that's the purpose, right? Sure, sure. I, I guess it feels a bit cheap, and especially okay, okay. for where this film has such a a, a definitive uh, feel, a feel. Yeah, it knows where it's going. It knows what it wants to build. It knows what it's going to pay off with with the psychological aspects. So it's like, what are uh, we doing here with these jumps? Exactly. Okay, yeah, it, it cheapens it. I okay. guess cheap yeah. would be the the word that I'm looking for there. And 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 again, in that payoff, it, there's there's something a little bit missing. I personally enjoyed it a lot. I would say. Uh, as a horror film, it is scary in ways. I think there could be a lot of criticism, especially for someone looking for a very scary movie coming into this. Uh, maybe especially after seeing the ritual on, you know, uh, his previous work, it it's it's not there because it lies in the payoff. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I looked in the film as far as the design. Again, shadow work is done very interestingly. The, of course, in the very title of it, the house itself is very interesting and used in very creative ways to build horror and build tension. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, is anything a standout, especially in the later half of the film? I don't know. It kind of it kind of all you know muddies out a little bit, which is which is a shame. But I can't stress enough that that visual that imaginative horror that is done in the house that is done with shadows in the film uh, that is done with characters and character motivation as well it is really on point and I think that that shines a light on Bruckner's ability to make a horror film and very well deserve say oh that's a psychological horror it's about you know, the intrigue into the characters and how the little bit of information that we get in the openings of the film, how that is tied back to, how is that, how is that uh, redeemed, how is that yielded in the, uh, in the later half of the film, and it's all there. Uh, I think, for what it's worth, uh, The Ritual is a better film in executing that idea. However, The Night House is right on brand for what Bruckner is doing, and it was good to see, and I can't wait to see what else he's doing oh, with well, opportunities okay. like this. Oh, good, good. Uh, I really do want to root for this movie, even though I'm a little bit more critical of it. Uh, I want to root for, for him as a director uh, because I really like his brand of horror much more than what we, what we you know, a director we covered previously like James Wan or something like that. Right, know? right. Oh, that's good to hear, though. That's good mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. And this is something maybe I would be interested in watching. Yeah. Because a jump scare thing that I don't need, it, it's like the whole psych- – I like the idea of it being psychological, horror, mm-hmm. thriller, mystery type thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, very cool. Very cool. Absolutely. But bottom line, we're going to go ahead and give The Night House a 63. 63. All right. Not, 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 not too bad. Yeah, a lot of, lot of middle of the roads this week, a lot of above averages. I kind of feel like that's the genre. It's, yeah. It, it is tough. I mean, there's I, definitely going to be some below averages. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. And, well, every year, I mean, really every year, quite a lot of horror films come out mm-hmm. and all different kinds and jump scares and this and that, but it's still in the horror. It's still horror. Mm-hmm. And it's every year they get unloaded. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you're going to have that. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot of stinkers and a lot of middle of the roads where it's just like, yeah. And then it, that's where it's interesting, especially when it comes to horror, is everybody likes their own specific type of horror, kind mm-hmm. of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have yours that you that you like. Sure, and then there's yeah. just like kind of classic, hey, let's watch jump scare ones. And, sure. Or slasher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's an interesting genre. I usually don't touch it too much, but there's there's some that just strike you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be interested in watching this one for sure. I think you hit a good nail on the head. I mean, if we're talking about what the Daily Ratings is designed to do is be a watching guide, a, a something to, to make sure you understand what's worth your time. Um, unfortunately, a middle-of-the-road score doesn't maybe help our viewing audience at home, uh, folks at home, in a huge way, but I still think when we have the standout ones, uh, I really want them to stand out as a hard recommendation for what's worth your time in the genre. Yeah, just talking. And, and you giving it a, you know, not just the score, not just looking online at the score, but also when there's audio to it and you know the whole point of us doing this is mm-hmm. quick reviews mm-hmm. quick recaps and we, we don't even go through big casts we don't go through that it was just like here's here's the film and mm-hmm. here's overall how we felt how you felt about it sure, sure. um take it or leave it but that's kind of like it, it's it's helpful in that way because yeah. like you said it's tough when you get middle of the road lower 60s when you're in the 50s because what do you make a film like that? Do you watch it? Do you not watch it? And but mm-hmm. it's nice to get what you know that short little brief review of it because it's it's so tailored per person. Sure, everyone likes their own stuff, so at least you get that sense of it. And it's just like, oh, I am somebody who would like this. Absolutely, and I am, or I am someone who's just like, no, no, no I don't need to touch. Right, that. if you get a few aspects you like within the review, and then it gets above average, I would say then worth your time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah, comes in through so. Very but, good. Yeah. Okay, Vin. Well, is there anything you would like to add or we roll in credits? I think that's good. I think that's good. Uh, 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 the only thing I would add is that, of course, I'm excited to, again, uh, just tying back to the producer segment, I would love to get some film recommendations, uh, you know, to get outraged over a film. Uh, maybe there's even blind recommendations in the sense of, you know, you're curious if you should dive into a film. So, yeah, I mean, that, that that's really what excites it's the me the part. most. It's Absolutely. the fun part. It's, it's, it's our interaction. It's... Uh, uh, and hey, like you said, you can yell at me. You can <laughs> you can do whatever you want, but you can uh, yell at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a guy who makes sure the mics are turned on. <laughs> right, right. But you go ahead. You you give me all the grief in the world. <laughs> I, I I would love it. But okay, all right. Anything else, Vinny? No. I think that's good. Um, already, folks, we'll go through one more time here. We have the Dead Zone at 68 percent, the Host at 80 percent, Patterson at 66 percent, the Empty Man at 51 percent, and the Night House with 63%. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for helping us produce this podcast, folks. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth the watch or if you just like more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer, go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com, where you can donate any amount of value that you feel you receive from our product. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.